sermon podcast of Christ Community Church in Springfield, Missouri. Christ Community features life-giving, verse-by-verse teaching from the Bible. If you would like more information about CCC, you can visit our website at cccspringfield.org. We trust these messages will challenge and encourage you in being a faithful follower of Christ. So I heard recently a quote from a book that was, and I'll paraphrase, but it was something along these lines, that we have learned to, to keep quiet about our human frailty and weaknesses in order to keep living the fantasy that we're okay. The gentleman that said that was talking about the church. He had just recently experienced uh, his wife having an affair and was going to the church for help. Instead, what he got was a lot of platitudes and didn't really have a whole lot of help. I'd like to think that would not be the case here. My, my point today is not to talk about marriage, but just is it possible that a church could be honest about humanity and at the same time welcome the divine, the supernatural? Can you do that? That's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We all need help in whatever situation we're in. We thank you that Jesus came to this earth as a human being. The sacrifice we have no comprehension of, but we are appreciative that he did so in order that we could enjoy being in a relationship with you. And so we're grateful, but I ask that you would help us to maybe appreciate it, be grateful, have our sincere worship be expanded, increased. And I ask that you'll speak to each and every heart here today. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Of course, Christmas is a time in which churches will put on music, uh, spectacles, drama. Families are going to erect trees, wrap the house with lights, place manger scenes in the front yard. Uh, Gift giving on Christmas morning highlights the day for children as dads are frantically looking for extra batteries somewhere in the house to power the toys that they got. So festivity is the norm for December. Families congregate to eat, uh, we play games, we watch the Christmas story, and it's a wonderful life for the 15th time. Now, some say that gift giving started with the Magi, but their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh were really more symbolic to underscore the nature of Jesus Christ. Others point to early American consumerism uh, as being the real impetus for today's gift-giving. Whatever the root is, I think it's fair to ask this question. What puts Jesus in the proper perspective? 
What puts Jesus in the proper perspective? Now, our holidays are to remind us of something, right? Uh, there are a lot of people who say, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't celebrate Christmas because originally it meant this in some land or Easter or whatever. Let, let's just lay that aside for a second and let's just say our motives are pure. Okay, Christmas, birth of Jesus, but how do we have the proper perspective of that? Well, holidays are to be a signal for some kind of recognition. Valentine's Day would be a fail if we failed to acknowledge our spouse or significant other. You would not have a good day if you didn't do that. Memorial Day would be a fail if we failed to acknowledge those who have lost their life in the military for our freedom. Now, I'm going to assume that most here in this room want to recognize Jesus in some form or fashion during Christmas. And I'm not interested in really uh, raining on anybody's parade on how you do that. Rather, I just, so it's not by way of criticism, I just think we need to think about adding something to our celebrations. Consider this. The, the grandeur of this season, and particularly of the nativity, and miracles that were involved in Jesus' coming are plain if you read through Scripture. I mean, if you take the biblical story at face value, you are stuck with, uh, struck with the prophecies fulfilled uh, from long ago, supernatural intervention of, of angels speaking to the main characters in the nativity story, uh, protection of a young family from a violent dictator, um, a perfectly placed star, a baby born to a teenager who had not yet physically consummated her marriage to her husband. And all this and more are worthy of recognition of divine intervention. And usual Christmas stories are a highlight reel of that intervention, dramatic, divine moments that should be a part of the story. But that's not the whole story. There are also touches of humanity that often go unmentioned, and for some churches, they're just downright embarrassing. So it's better not to say it. And that's the way a lot of Christian cultures operate. Don't talk about the hard stuff, the messy stuff. You know, it's all Jesus, victory, blah, 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 right? Now, perhaps we are more familiar with extremes of either the divine being accentuated or humanity being accentuated. And maybe it's not best to say extreme. It's more an omission of one or the other. For instance, if one omits the human side, what you'll often get are people who don't speak about what they're really going through, but it's more, you know, about victory, some spiritual experience, very little vulnerability, and God forbid you actually speak about an ache that's still in your human heart. Don't ever admit that you are frail or weak. Now, and we do this within our Christian culture. If, you're, if you grew up in an ultra-conservative Christian culture, you learn that by doing the certain rules that you have to abide by, you know, that, that's where you're in and you'll be accepted. 
uh, or maybe it's some spiritual experience that you have to have for you know, some kind of deeper surrender to God. But the idea is you are living in a heavenly bliss now. And you're to ignore the pain and the ache in your heart. Don't be honest about it. And on the other side, there's a growing number of faith communities who omit the divine side of things. And they wallow just on the human side. This is usually accompanied by denying the authority of the Bible, particularly the Old Testament. So disparaging comments. Don't talk about the miracles, but accentuating just loving now and embracing whatever makes me feel good. But listen, the, the beauty of the incarnation is divinity becoming man. And Jesus brought into this perfect unity divinity becoming human. All I'm suggesting is And this may be, you think, an odd thing for you as a pastor to say, but we need to be more honest about our humanity. Because I think what it'll do, it'll cause us to appreciate so much more the grace of God. And it allows our worship to be far more sincere. And I'm betting it'll cause our love for one another to be far deeper. Consider this. Six times in the nativity narratives, we find the words afraid or fear. That's very human. We have the husband of Mary considering divorce. Very human. This young couple fled for their life. Another couple in the story struggled with infertility. Very human. A political leader was troubled. Of course, we don't have any political leaders with problems, so that one we can't relate to. But you know, maybe in another land, there might be those issues. There was targeted infanticide upon children under two. Historians tell us tens of thousands lost their lives during this time. The slaughter produced weeping and grief so deep, the Bible says, people could not be consoled. And then the star of the show, the baby, Jesus, was born in substandard surroundings fit for animals. All of these factors make God's supernatural intervention so much more astounding. None of these obstacles were too big for God. This is great news for us because I'm right in this statement. I can be certain about this. All of you are humans and all of you have sinned and all of you have messed up lives And I know I am bursting somebody's bubble because you're thinking, no, our life is rolling along. Uh, No, everybody's got something. But God's grace is still great. Amen. Never too big for God 
to showcase and bring about the Messiah. And to have a baby born in Bethlehem. He told us it was going to happen hundreds of years before it was prophesied in Isaiah 7.14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then in Micah 5.2, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be a ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. God did what he said he was going to do, and he did it in the midst of human sin, suffering, and disbelief. He did it in the midst of political turmoil turned against the people of God. Humans did a lot during that story to forego God's plan, to try to throw a wrench in things. I mean, they, they were bringing a water pistol to a gunfight, or really, actually, what they were doing is, again, we see this time and time again, the created trying to supplant the creator. There's little doubt as to the origin of this kind of disruption. Why would Satan be so concerned? We read this in 1 John. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. I think it's striking to gaze afresh this narrative of the nativity with our eyes open to this dance between the divine and the human. And I think we do a great disservice to ignore either side. Much of, I think, our Christian upbringing or experiences are bent on seeing life here on earth filled with bliss. Looking for only relief from our troubles. And our Christian subcultures encourage it. God forbid that I get up on the stage and talk about a failure. Particularly a failure I'm still in and I don't have victory over. No pastor does that. The only story I'm going to give you is the stories of which, yeah, you know, 30 years ago when I used to struggle with something. But that kind of vulnerability in a, in a church body is often rare. For us, right? There's an evasion of the ache in our hearts. And Christ then and Christianity is only used to bring relief. Instead of engaging Christ at the deepest level so that our love and our service are acknowledged in the face of trauma and pain. And that is very human. All of us have experienced that. But there are so many Christians who live with disappointment with God because they experience trauma and pain. And where does that come from? Well, it comes from having the idea that earth is to be heaven. No, heaven is to be heaven. Earth is to be filled with trouble. 
Now, as a Christian, I would rather face it, my trouble having Christ with me, but that doesn't mean I don't experience trouble. This only happens knowing that there has to be the divine and the human intersecting. Humanity in the nativity, it's flawed, it's hurting, it's evil. There's disbelief. And yet God fulfilled ancient promises. He used a virgin. He sent a star, an angel, and finally, he showcased his son. And grace is on full display in living color when we acknowledge the context of humanity in the nativity story. I'll never forget, years ago, Janet and I were going to a marriage conference in Branson, okay? And when I got there, they had television cameras that were wanting to get a testimony from different people that came right up to Janet and me as we walked in. Thousands of people here, okay, at this thing. And they said, you know, tell us about why you're here. And the drive from Springfield to Branson was one of the biggest arguments we have ever experienced in our marriage. So they put the mic in front of my face. Bad mistake. Tell us why you're here. And I just said, "Uh, well, I don't want to be here. what I said. I said some other things just to get out of there as quick as I could. We just don't like hearing that side. And people especially don't like hearing their pastor having those issues. Sorry to disappoint you. Now listen, I love my wife. And I love our marriage. Marriage is not always marital bliss, right? But when you talk to some people about it, they don't want to reveal the issues. Hearts are full, romance is flourishing, and marital bliss is the norm. But that, and you, if you've been married for 24 hours, you know that's not the real story. That is part of the experience, but all marriages, there are times of lows, struggles, aches, and we don't always attend to those properly. Part of the story is how we have failed each other, right? Janet and I were commenting the other day that really our life verse for our marriage should be the verse that says, love covers a multitude of sins. So Janet is in Kansas City this morning, so let me tell you about her sins. I've got... (laughs) We know that marriage includes some low times, some struggles, some aches. But here's the thing. Isn't it strange? It's strange for us because this week it's going to be 43 years. And we were were talking about, and and I know you could say the same thing. If you stayed together, you know that there's profound love that comes out of the aches and the pains. I'm not saying we had the secret sauce. I'm not saying we did it right. 
But what I'm saying is that I can look back on that and say, you know what? God really used even that trip to Branson or even when I said that stupid thing or did this to you, that out of that, God did something beautiful. It's amazing. That only goes to how great God is, how great his grace is. And it allows us to celebrate even more profoundly the love of God in our life and the love for one another. Listen, I would marry my wife a hundred times again, even knowing the hurt, the pain, the grief. Because out of that, God did the deepest and most meaningful work. I think the Christian life is like that. I mean, when we prefer a narrative closer to reality, not, ad- not ignoring the pain, but leaning into it so that Christ can reach the deepest crevices of our hearts, I think that's when we move into maturity and depth. Not into just scooting across the service. Our, our love is intensified. Our worship is more personal and passionate, not for show. You see, the nativity is grace personified. And grace expressed to one another is the purpose of the church. It's the purpose of family. It's the purpose of our marriage. It's the purpose of our very lives. The truth of it is, your marriage is not so that you can have all of your needs met. Hate to burst your bubble. If you make an idol of your spouse that they're going to meet all your needs, you are ready for some grave disappointment. Because nobody can do that. I've said this a hundred times up here. But if I see it as something that God is gloriously going to work through, speaking of our marriage where the grace of God can be superimposed upon this relationship, even though we have failed each other, and and that love can sprout from that, and grace can come from that, we can see something beautiful there. And certainly not perfect. Christ prayed in John 17 that the world would see a genuine love in the church with one another not a plastic display of Christian platitudes not something that's just skimming the surface in fact he prayed that the world may know speaking to the father that you sent me I mean really grace So amazing in personal relationships. I want you to notice something. It's not the stage show. It's not our lights. It's not the singing. As as wonderful as it is, it's awesome. And God uses it. But the primary thing that Jesus prays for is by the way you relate to one another, people will know there's something to that. God is doing something great. It is grace, love, expressed 
at the hardest times. And that is why we are on the earth. No greater purpose. God is interested in a greater work for our hearts to grow deeper, expressing grace at the hardest points. Thank you for listening to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We hope today's message gives you encouragement and hope. If you would like more information about the church, you can go to cccspringfield.org.